My guest on the show today is Corey Lane Hilton. Corey is an introspective influencer who helps men over the age of 30 that are lacking emotional expression to overcome subconscious blocks by utilizing his unique and value different perspectives after, and yes, you heard this right. It's a first for the show, Corey. Spending 25 years of his life in the male exotic dance industry. His struggles with divorce, addiction, relationships, and egotism are gripping and also have provided the inspiration for his soon-to-be-published book. It's written. It's in the can. We were talking about it. It comes out in January. His memoir, autobiography, and we're going to get more into this, Take It Off. Corey, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate you uh, having me on as a guest on your show. Yes. Um, yeah, it's an honor, man. It's uh, something that this is an experience that I really never dreamed that I would do in my lifetime. But, you know, when it comes down to it, my past is my past, but that actually did provide a whole lot of, I guess you could say, value as far as in my eyes uh, to be able to help others with the mistakes that I made in my yeah. crazy career that I had. So, no, it's it's great to finally be releasing this and to be able to really bring this out to the world because I really truly believe that some of the things that I've wrote can really make an impact on, especially for guys. I think that yeah. a lot of men really, they deal with a lot of the man enough struggles and trying oh, to really... God, yeah you know, seeing they, 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 they're just like myself. I'll admit in the past for myself, I had a bit of a skewed definition of what man enough really was in the first uh -huh. place. Right. And so uh -huh. when you make those mistakes, sometimes you put a lot of pressure on yourself and, um, with those pressures, it, it really caused a lot of uh, things, relationships to really slip through my fingers. Cause I was gripping really tight on those and, and gripping tight for all the wrong reasons. And so through my learning experiences, my pitfalls, I just really want to help other people out to not have to experience some of the things that I went through. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said in the intro, um, you know, we're, this is the beginning of season three mm. and I have not had anybody in the adult and formerly adult entertainment industry. So you were a first, my friend, and I am really awesome. excited to talk to you about your experiences. And, you know, I've had a chance to see the cover of your book. It's a spectacular artwork, whoever did it. Thank you. We'll yeah. um, make sure and put this in the show notes. And we're going to talk about your book, but we're going to talk about your past. We're going to talk about what you're up to now. And we're going to actually yeah. talk about some stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with me and a male exotic dancer or an author, because this show is just, about, just as much about what we cannot find out about you online as it is that. So Corey, yeah. are you ready to, uh, you ready in the hot seat over there? Yeah, man, I'm an open book, so right, I'm, very I'm so unscripted, Jason. You can roll with anything you want to. It's all <laughs> awesome, good. Awesome, Corey. So uh, <laughs> question, first question for you and for my listeners, you know this is coming. What's something you, what's something you nerd out about? Uh, you know, I'm a former, I'm, I'm an old guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm 51 He's years old, old now. He's not that old. I'm older. And so when I was back, when I was a kid, I was the kid that used to plug a whole bunch of quarters into the arcade video games. And I really, you know, never really got broken free of video games. So now mm -hmm. when I decide to nerd out, I like to throw on my VR headset. I like to jump into some VR games and, nice. and really just kind of escape from my world of reality for a couple of hours. And sometimes yeah. those couple of hours turn into a whole lot more hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's a whole lot of fun to kind of detach a little bit from the realities of life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really, I would say that's my big nerd out thing. Yeah. I'm completely honest. I love me some yeah, video man. games. <laughs> what, what are you playing right now? 
Um, I actually really enjoy this one game called Blood and Truth, actually. It's mm-hmm. kind of an older game that came out when I think PS4 started out, but a lot of fun. It's just kind of jumps you into this world of uh, being a bit of a gangster, I guess, and you, you're jumping around in your living room, firing bullets at people, and they're firing them back at you, and my dog's sitting there freaking out <laughs> in the background while I'm doing it, and That's you know, funny. all those things, right? Uh, I, you yeah. know, as, I, I'm a single guy living up here in Canada, so yeah. uh, you know, at, at the same time, it, it's a lot of fun to really just kind of detach from that and and I just get kind of honestly, I just kind of get blown away by where we're at technologically now in oh, comparison yeah. to where where it was back when Pac-Man was floating around, jumping around, yeah. and, you know, doing his thing. So I yeah. guess all I can say is, is that I, I'm blown away at where we're at now. So that's my big nerd out thing. Yeah. Well, you, so I should say this for um, everybody here with us. We don't actually we've been in a, um, a space together. And when I heard it to do, I'm like, oh, I need to have Corey in my show. But you don't know me at all, really. Like, you know some basic things about me. I know some basic things about you. I'm also a huge video game nerd. As a matter of (laughs) fact, I was filling out a form for my media kit for when I go on podcasts. And one of the thing, one of the questions they have is a really good question is, what's the thing that you could talk for hours about? And I put video games as one of those things. I'm a huge gamer. (laughs) My wife doesn't, my wife doesn't actually care, but I, I've had some other guests on the show that are huge gamers, right? So this is actually one of the. It's it's not a common answer, but it is definitely an answer I've heard before. The uh, one of the yeah. other people, she was a big um, zombie video game nerd. The woman, uh, I'm just a big gamer. Period. Like I've, <laughs> I've always been a huge gamer. So I get you, it's man. Fu- we'll, we'll have to we'll have to head online sometime. <laughs> it's really funny you say that, Jason, because there's one game that I played that's a zombie game. It's one of the Resident Evil games that's on in Heck VR. Yeah. To be oh, completely straightforward, so I got I got through I think the first couple of levels, and I'll admit to this, I got too freaked out to, to <laughs> continue the game. I haven't even plugged it back in because I sat there and just I was just shuddering. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I saw that that I, game. I saw that that uh, Resident Evil Four, which came out ten years ago. Yeah, I'm about to prove to you that I am a nerd about this. That game came <laughs> out I think either ten or more years ago, but I just saw just one VR game of the year. They redid mm. it for I don't know if the, if you play on an Oculus or what it is, but that game is uh, that game is considered an all time classic. Oh, and I can imagine yeah. I can imagine on VR it'd be scary. It's a scary game without VR. It is, yeah, it really is. And I, I just you know when you get some somebody crashing through a wall, for example, and you have a VR headset on, and all you're seeing is the full 360 of what's going on around you, you suddenly forget that you're standing in your living room, and all Jeez. of a sudden you're like literally feeling the impact of the hit coming, and so it's. It's one yeah. of those things that I, I never, like I said, I, as an old video gamer, I never dreamed that I would be in a world like this where that kind yeah. of stuff is even existing, right? So yeah, man. yeah uh, maybe one day I'll pick it back up and uh, strap on my, I guess you could say, gutsy boots and get back in there. Yeah. <laughs> we're, and, well, this actually leads perfectly into the next question, which mm-hmm. I am very interested to hear how you answer this. Sure. So Corey, what's something that is inside of your comfort zone? That might be outside of some other people's comfort zones. And I know for a fact there are some things that you have done, Mm -hmm. but I'm just curious, what's like, what's kind of like top of mind or what comes up when I ask you that question? You know, I I guess I can say that my biggest comfort zone now, and and I try to push myself out of my comfort zone to be completely straightforward. In fact, I really try to go towards the resistance of the things that I really don't, uh, the things that my body doesn't want to do. I try to trick my mind to get in there and do those things. So for me, my true comfort zone is maybe a little uncomfortable for other people. And that's hot yoga. 
believe it or not. I actually love <sighs> I can't me do some it. hot yoga. Or there you go. It. Right. But for me, I'm an obsessive one. I jump into these things and, and uh, as a former, very heavy, heavily disciplined former bodybuilder, sure. I actually took that discipline that I implemented when I was a bodybuilder and I bring that into my yoga practice. And, and it's really helped me mentally, physically, spiritually, just all the way around to really just reset, to have a balance in my day. So all the mayhem that may have happened earlier in the day, I can actually push it all to the side, go into my sanctuary for an hour or so. And that sanctuary may be a very difficult comfort zone for some, but for me, that's where I live. I absolutely yeah. love it. If I could be there all day, every day, that's where I would be. So yeah, that's, that's cool. my answer, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah. um, uh, I'm from Minnesota originally. So I'm an honorary Canadian is like, I, I've been, <laughs> I've been called an honorary Canadian and I just, I'm just warm blooded. Like I, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not like, I'm not huge or anything, but I'm mm -hmm. just warm blooded. I just don't like being hot. And so for no. me, like, I don't mind being hot when it comes to working out, but to, mm -hmm. I like going into a sauna or a hot tub, but to go and do hot yoga and just be drenched in sweat in clothes is just yeah. not a thing I enjoy. Like I like being cold because I can always <laughs> throw a jacket on and just be like comfortably warm. But when I'm really, really hot and I'm not either in a sauna or in a hot tub, I'm done. So you keep yeah. your hot yoga. I'll do yoga, but <laughs> hot yoga is not a thing for me. I'll be I'll, straightforward. I'll I, I almost wish I could do hot yoga completely nude sometimes, but I think I would devastate Oof. a few of the people in the class. But oh I just my go God. in the shorts and just try my best to do the best I can with it. Yeah, so it yeah, really that, has that, made such a difference. Tell yeah, me, yeah, no, I'm sure. I, I mean, I, it's one of those things. It's like cold showers. I'm like, I know <laughs> yeah, it's, know. I know it's good for me, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. So, yeah. Corey, if we take the flip of that question and talk yeah. about something that is something that's out of your comfort zone that that you know mm -hmm. is going to be inside of somebody else's what's something that comes to mind for you around that i'll be you know again straight to the point with that one jason you know it's for somebody that took his clothes off for 25 years of his life and really spent like i said a quarter century doing that crazy industry um believe it or not for me one of my biggest um i guess you could say uncomfortable moments is getting up and doing public speaking um, I, I, it's something that I really am striving to go towards after I, um, you have the book released yeah. but at the same time, public speaking, um, I have jumped up there and, and made the effort to do so. I was really glad when I did that I had a table in front of me so nobody could see my knees shaking. Mm -hmm. Um, because quite frankly, that was far more intimidating for me than ever any time that I ever had actually taking off my clothes. That's and so, so it's amazing. kind of the opposite of what a lot of people would think, right? Yeah. Some people, it just flows really well for them. But for me, that's something as a, a bit of a, I guess you could say former perfectionist and now somebody that is just really focused on progression. That is really, really intimidating because I never wanted to, I guess, I always want to try to get the job done right. And if I stumble and I fall, I, it just has that, that gut feeling where it's just that, and I just can't, ha I, I struggle with that really hard. So I really, when I'm trying to do public speaking, I really want to want to make the right impression. I want it to be perfect, but that is ridiculous. It's never going to be perfect. And so yeah. it's like trying to shoot a video over no and over thing. and over again. It's, there is no such thing. Yeah. You just finally have to be satisfied with the, with the product that you put out there. So man, yeah, that's a struggle for me. Public speaking stuff. Man, that's so amazing because, and we were catching up on this a little before the show in Canada, there's a mm -hmm. lot of fully nude stuff. So you're somebody mm -hmm. who's been fully nude in front of thousands of thousands of people, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah. getting up to speak about something, your knees are shaking. That's so fascinating. Like a yeah, lot of people man. are scared of public speaking, but the fact that you are in front of people all the time. So it's not like you're afraid to get up in front of people. It's you're no, afraid man. to get up in front of people and speak specifically. Yeah. And, and screw up, I guess. Like, I think that yeah. that's what the overlaying thing. I think that it's kind of funny. I use the reverse psychology, I guess, like 
some people say, oh, when you're up there public speaking, you have to look out at the audience and picture them all as out there in the audience being so naked. funny. For me, it's kind of the opposite. I'm on the other side. I'm the guy that was naked for most of my life, looking at the audience, hoping that they're not going to they're, they're going to like me with my clothes on. Yeah, oh, man, <laughs> it's, it's so kind of an odd uh, dynamic. What a different context to live in. Um, so I'm going to um, bring us to the next question here, which is also very perfect. I did not prep you for this. So this no, is you I'm... are you are a very good guest. You're leading us right down the path. <laughs> so we're going to talk about public speaking. Yeah. So Corey, I give you five minutes. If I had the almighty power to give you five minutes to speak to the entire world, mm -hmm. what is it that you would speak about? So this is your little five minute TED talk, five minutes. What would you speak about and what would be your call to action for us as the audience listening? Yeah, well, I just, I shed a little bit of light on it earlier, but it is a bit to do with the man enough stuff. And it also has to do with the one problem that I try to solve the most. And it's something that I dealt with and struggle with for so many years is really unworthiness. And that's something that mm. I think that a lot of people in this world, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you tend to really struggle with that. And sometimes I, I, if I could speak on that, you know, it would more so be towards looking at people on a pedestal, you know, and I did this, like I looked up to people on a pedestal for a lot of my life, comparing myself to others or trying to, I guess you could say, be something beyond just the mediocre or on the other side of the coin, I even had the experience of being on the pedestal and looking down at other people. Right. So I had this really weird dynamic where I just was really never satisfied with the person that I looked at in the mirror because I was never really looking at the other people in my life straight in the eye. It was always one or the other up or down. Yeah. And that, that yeah. actually caused me to actually go through so many different struggles, whether it be when I maybe pictured some girl from my past that I saw as this, uh, this person that I totally adored that I never thought that I had the ability to even be with and ended up conquering that dream and ended up being with her at one point in my life and, and mm. had a back and forth relationship. On the other side of the coin, I was in a marriage where I, for eight years where I married an American, I was living down in, in Florida and, and there was a lot of the, I guess you could say animosity built up in our relationship because I was actually looking down at her from my pedestal. I was the one that was, mm. I felt like she owed me for a lot of the things that I brought her, the world that I brought her out of and brought her into. And as crazy as that sounds, it's one of those things that I, I kind of feel that for the unworthiness side of things, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're somebody that is the, the biggest rock star in the world, or you're just somebody that, that delivers the, I guess, because it picks up the garbage. What I'm saying is, is that everybody out there in my eyes has a certain element of mental health issue. And I think sure. that unworthiness is a big component of that. So there's a reason why some of the biggest rock stars in the world are just maybe even actors or actresses that have actually gone to the point of, of, of committing suicide because they truly yeah. feel that their worth is not enough for the world. Whereas everybody else in the world sees them as so amazing, but they don't see themselves that way. So this is obviously a common struggle that I know a lot of people, therapists have talked about for a lot of years, but for me, I'm not, ta I'm not talking about anything new. I'm just talking about yeah. it from a completely different perspective, Jason. So yeah. you know, when I'm talking, when I can sit there and say, Hey, I was a guy that was a former Mr. Nude Western Canada. I was, I was second in Mr. Nude Canada. I worked at the largest beach club in North America. Um, you know, I had all these insane experiences that a lot of people have their perceptions of. I still 
regardless of what anybody thinks, when those lights went down, I still had that element of lack in me. And there was a massive reason why. And I had to dig deep to figure out why that was. I thought to myself, oh, I just have this weird subconscious block. And I tried blaming these things on other people, maybe my family or maybe my my past history of failures and just sitting there and degrading myself and thinking about those things over and over again in my head. It wasn't serving me in any way. The only way that it actually served me was to really dig deep and go down to the core and find out why was it that I went into this career for one? And secondly, why was it that I had these failures and these struggles when so many other people didn't have to deal with that when I, and and looking at it from, and I hate to say this, but comparing to a lot of other people in my life that I knew from my childhood that now I look at where they're at in life, I would, there's a, there's a side of it that I envy and there's a side of it that I would never even dream of doing because to be completely honest, I envy a lot of people that have more financial stability. They have a family, they have a lot of, you know, maybe the kids, the wife, the white picket fence, but they don't have the stories. They don't have the experiences. Yeah. They didn't actually see the world the way that I saw it. And so would I change things? Do I have regrets? No. Or yes, I, should, I sort of say I do have regrets because everybody yeah. has regrets. But would I change it? <clears throat> no. Because yeah. quite frankly, my life, like I said, I'm not here to put myself on that pedestal. But I really feel that the unique stuff that I went through gave me a very interesting outlook on the way that women react and the way that men react. And I've seen both sides of that coin from being living through my alter ego on the stage. And like I said, my perception of some of those people is one thing, but that may be just stereotypical. I could sit there and say that all women are this and all men are that and have that stereotypical impression. But you could also say that about me, that all male dancers are this, and that's just the way it is. But they couldn't be more wrong. Because if you really knew what was going on in my mind and the things that I went through, that perspective would be completely different. So I can yeah. talk on that till the cows come home. Like, and I, for five minutes too. Forever. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, Corey. Thank you so much. That's, um, I, I know we're going to get more into this in the second half of the show. So this is a yeah. good time. We're going to take a really brief commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Perfect. The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. All right, Corey, we're back. Are you back with us? You betcha, man. Excellent. Oh, spoken like a true Canadian. I feel at home. You betcha. <laughs> yes, eh? Oh, yes, eh? You betcha. I love it. Where, you know? in Can- where in Canada are you right now? I am actually in the beautiful province of British Columbia, Canada, uh, in Kelowna, BC. So in the Okanagan Valley, about uh, three and a half, four hours north of Vancouver. So sounds beautiful. Um, this is where I was. Well, I was born and raised on the coast, but I and oddly enough, as a kid, I used to come up to this area and do a lot of camping with my family when I was mm. young. And and I always kind of thought to myself when I was around this age that I would end up here, and this is where I would end up retiring. But you never know. I might not end up retiring here, but I'm sure here for now. And it's, it's a great place to be. I'm yeah. My now. wife, my wife uh, spent six years in Vancouver as a child. Oh, really? Wow. And she loved it. I mean, she's American. She's born in LA, but she, hmm. her mother had a job there and 
some of the best times of her life is what she said. Like just I haven't been, but it's supposed to be amazing. It's but we're not going to talk about my wife or me. We're going to talk more about you, my friend. <laughs> you're on the hot seat here. Sure. So what do we know about you so far, Corey? Let's see. We know you're an author, mm-hmm. soon to be published author. Mm-hmm. We know you spent a lot of time with your clothes off in front of people. <laughs> yes. We know that you did that and it looked great on the outside, but you were, sounds pretty broken on the inside and a lot of, a lot of things that, that we never would have guessed if we would have seen you. So what else would you like us to know about you? Well, I will say that there's a lot of experiences that I had in my past that were unforgettable, but there's some experiences that I truly wish that I could forget as well. And if you want to know the truth as far as my, the, the things that, that I guess you could say that the fears that I had, the struggles that I had, they may be, like I said, through my story, but they're relatable struggles. They're struggles that, that a lot of other people out there experience on the daily. And so all I can say is, is that, you know, I, I had very, very similar things going on, fear of, um, being able to be emotionally connected. And what I mean by that is, is when you're a kid, you only know what you know. And even when you're an yeah. adult, you only know what you know. You only know yeah. what you've been taught, right? Yeah. So for me, I was very unique in the, in the eyes of, and this is a bit of a past generation thing, not as common in these days, but I was adopted to my grandparents. Mm. And so when I, and from a very early age, but the thing was, interestingly enough for me, I never truly realized that they were my grandparents until I was 12 years old. And that sounds a little crazy, but I always assumed that my mother, my actual biological mother was my sister and that all my aunts and uncles were my brothers and sisters. So until the age of 12, I actually didn't, I had a completely different perspective. It wasn't, it wasn't correct. It was wrong. It wasn't truth. It was just my perspective. So that actually has a lot to do with my first chapter in my book is the difference between truth and perspective. Yeah. And so with having a grandparents that were depression era that raised me, unfortunately, they actually only had so many tools to work with. Just like any parent, you only sure. have your demand. You don't have a manual that comes with the territory, right? Unfortunately, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So with my parents though, the unfortunate side of it, and this is why I didn't release my book until they passed away. And then my, my grandfather slash father passed away um, roughly two years ago now. And, but I ended up waiting till then because I didn't want them to have any type of, I guess you could say different picture of the boy that they raised. And they did a great job in so many ways. But the problem in my house was, is there was no, I love you's. There was no sweeties, honeys. There was none of that. I didn't have any of that emotional connection whatsoever. Like none. Mm. There was nice things that my parents did. They were great people. I'm not here to downgrade them. They were really amazing. And, and, and I would never change them for the world. I, I, I love them with all my heart. Yeah. But when I put my father on a pedestal of being Superman and really thinking that he was the God, I really, really wanted to, I guess you could say, mimic what he was doing in a lot of ways. So believe it or not, my grandfather who supported me and grandmother who supported me through my entire career, even when I started off being a male dancer at 17, yes, 17 years old, they still actually supported me in what I was doing because they had faith in me. They said, if you don't get messed up, if you're not going to get into drugs, you're not going to, if you can keep your grades up, all that good stuff, we're going to give you the freedom to go ahead and do what you want to do. That was a beautiful thing. But in the end, after I actually got to the point of trying to somewhat settle down after doing the industry for, oh, good Lord, years and years, when I finally did get married, and I realized this through introspection as well, is, is that 
when I got married, I tried to actually mimic my grandparents' relationship. And in the year 2000, tried to start off a marriage like a Ricky and Lucy marriage. Hi, honey, mm. I'm home. Have the dinner cooked and is the laundry done? It wasn't realistic, right? So yeah. that was something that I didn't even truly, truly realize and start using my thumb instead of using the finger until literally, I would say a year and a half ago. I, I wow. really did. I, it took me that long. It took me to the age of 50 years old to figure out, again, this comes back to why I dealt with these struggles. And I never worked on my inner self whatsoever, Jason. I always yeah. just focused. I got away with the exterior, you know, and, yeah. and, and that was, and the perfectionism side was, was on the bodybuilding stage. You're compared yeah. to everybody else, right? The, when you're on the, the dance stage, you're compared to everybody else. So what did I do? I started comparing myself to everyone in my life. So even when I went into other careers after I was finished with the male exotic dance industry, whether it would be in sales or something, if sales weren't going the right way, it wasn't my fault. I was perfect. I was blaming it on everybody else. I was pointing fingers around and just upset with the world. What was the world doing to me? I, and I would always be, I would never be willing to open up and look really deeply into where I was, I had problems. And now I've just come to realize imperfection is, is, is not a bad thing. I'm actually at that point of realizing that those failures happened yeah. for a reason. I fell down. Down, and I've fallen down many times and I probably still will, yeah. but those failures, it's all a matter of getting back up, how you get back up and not never giving up. And so when I get that lack, which I still deal with, okay, like I'm not here to say that I have all the answers. I do have, a, I have the ability to help out a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I still admittedly will wake up certain days. And this is something that a lot of people don't realize about me is that I still wake up some days where I feel like I'm going to go conquer the world. I'm going to go kill it today. And then there's yeah. the next, the next day I'll wake up and I'll feel like, well, I'm so far in over my head. I, I don't, uh, I, this is, this is not for me. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do this. And I'll literally put myself in that state for, and it'll only happen for about five seconds now. And then I just, I have this way now. It's just through my authenticity where I've come to realize, okay, stop. Why are you feeling this way? Why is that gut feeling that you have that, 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 that trigger feeling? Why is this bothering you the way it is? And I'll go and take a walk through nature for a while if I have to, to get my head right and yeah. come right back and just reset myself. And that, that's why I said yoga is a big thing for me. So, yeah. you know, that's something that admittedly, um, I love to solve the problem of unworthiness, but at the same time, I don't have everything figured out yet in my own head. And I probably never truly will. It's and that's, if you... that's okay. And if you do, then you write your second book and make a billion dollars. That would be a book of like how to be a parent or how to run a company. If somebody actually yeah. figures out the exact science to do these things, then we don't need yeah. any more books. So, Corey, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I want to um, ask you about the book. Yeah. So who is the book for? Who do you the recommend is... reads this book? Well, you know, again, you started off in your intro. It's based for, based on men over 30 that struggle with lack, unworthiness, self-worth issues, connection issues, stuff like that. But realistically, Jason, it's just my old self. It's my former life. It really is. Yeah. It's the person that I was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the person that really was riddled with all those things. And again, like, it's not that I've completely solved all those things. I don't think that that's even possible. I really don't. But can I really, do I believe that I can help out other guys or even women that, that struggle with the same thing? Yeah, I truly believe that I can because it really comes really back to, I come back to introspective influencer because 
What I did with my book was I converted it from a biography, which was some amazingly crazy pivotal moments in my life, which were some great stories that everybody's bothered me for so many years to write. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) They really I can only imagine the stories you must have. (laughs) Truth. But on the other side, when I finished it, I realized it wasn't enough. And so... Mm crazy as it was, I could have just released this book a while back and and probably done fairly well just based off of a biography, but I wanted to make more of an impact. And I really felt that I had this one really great shot to be able to really entertain people in one way by the stories, but also implement core values into each and every chapter that are representative of my core values. Now, everybody else's are going to be different, right? Like everybody has a different set, but the the core values that I had are represented at the top of every chapter with the struggle up with that core value. So for example, in the first chapter, it's truth and perspective. And the, the, so then you read the actual story, the chapter story. And at the end of this chapter, that, that chapter was written five years ago. Okay. And it's yeah. about my life years and years before that. And that was just written straight up. Like this is what it was. But then at the age of 50, when I decided to really get going on this, I added the naked truth into each chapter. And the naked truth is my unhazed, (laughs) accountable perspective of where I was at that time and what I did wrong and what I should have done differently. And so when I talked about regret earlier, it's not that I would change anything, but there are some things that if I was to look back on some of those stories that I've written, yes, I would have done things differently without a doubt because I got into some crazy stuff, right? Like, and, and it, when it comes to even just drug addiction, for example, like there was, yeah. there's it, as crazy as it sounds. And some people are like, you know, when you start talking about addictions there, they kind of start to cringe a little bit, right? Because it's kind of sure. not everybody can understand what it's like to be addicted to ecstasy, for example. Now, that was something that I was addicted to, but I had to find out why it was that I actually went so deeply into that. And the reason why <laughs> it's released in my book, but the reason why is, as I mentioned earlier, I had no emotional connection in my life as a kid. Mm-hmm. So when I was in Florida and I got into that and all of a sudden the day that I took that, and it was the first thing that I ever took as far as a drug in my entire life at 26 years old, it opened a door that was never opened before. It's sure. like getting a new sensation. You've never tasted food. And then all of a sudden you taste food and it tastes amazing. And then it was just like, it was like, I started liking that food a lot more. And I got to the point where it started bringing me to places that I had acceptance and I had a lot of fun and I had a lot of emotional connection that really deep emotional connection, sometimes with the right people, sometimes with the wrong right, people, Right, but it was something that brought a different side of me out. And so as crazy as it is, I am very, very grateful that I actually was addicted to that stuff at that time. Now I'm long gone from that in my life. Like I haven't touched any of that stuff in, in forever. I can't even remember the last time, but yeah. I'm just saying that if I'd never opened up that door, then I would still be back where I was searching for that emotional connection and really probably never finding it because I could never really open up. And it was such a massive struggle for me that I never communicate. I communicated with my ex-wife, for example, but I never really connected with her. And even though I was even doing those crazy things with the ecstasy stuff, I still never truly connected with her 
And believe it or not, even now, 15 years after our divorce, I'm more connected with her now than I ever have been as far as being truth and revealing my truth, I should say, and just really being accountable for my actions. And that's been a very amazing healing experience for the both of us. So sometimes it really does come down to, I really believe that no matter how much damage has been done in the past, sometimes it's not necessarily over completely. You can always go back and try to heal the damage by forgiveness and really be empathizing with that other person's situation. And one thing that some, I've really listened to a lot of amazing influencers. And one thing that really stuck for me as a person that's lived in Canada and in the U S that unfortunately in this era, a lot of people don't focus on is perspective and respecting another person's perspective because they've lived life through a different lens than you have lived. And so if I disagree with somebody now, I'm not going to get into an argument with them. I'm just going to say, I respect your perspective and and leave it at that because I'm not here to judge them. Yeah. That's awesome, Corey. Thanks for, thanks for walking us through that. That's really, really (laughs) an interesting way to get to know uh, when interesting. And I say interesting from a, um, I learned a lot about you in a very short amount of time. So the thing I'm going <laughs> to offer to you here, because I'm a, I'm a coach for executives. And one of the things I'm going to offer to you live on the air, not live, it's a podcast. It's not live. It's you and I are live. <laughs> the same thing you just outlined about your mental mindset, bring that next mm-hmm. time you get on stage and speak. Yeah. Cause yeah. That, you know, if your knees are shaking, Hey, what, what's that about? What am I actually afraid of? And then you can knock that thing out pretty quickly. Yeah, it sounds like you got a good process to knock that out in other ways. I'm guessing the public speaking stuff is the next, uh, next on the list to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And coaching and, and really, yeah. I, I'm really wanting to get into the, the course development side of things as well. I Perfect. think the take it off is so much more than just a book. It really is like, yeah. and it's the launch pad for something that I have a really big purpose for. And that again, like, you know, Jason, I, I'm not going to deny it. Like there was a time in my life that I struggled so hard, my friend, you know, and sometimes people use this and they say, you know, I was at the edge, I was looking down from the ledge or, you know, I was literally holding the razor blade to my arm sort of thing. But based on what I went through and I went through some stuff and I'm talking way beyond the drug addiction stuff. I'm talking about when you go through a divorce that you never dreamed was going to happen, that you go through somebody cheating on you, you go through being, having a life in one country and having it completely taken away overnight, not being able to go back to your home, not being able to see your, your, your animals ever again, not being able Mm -hmm. to even have your life. You get it all completely stripped away from you at 38 years old and you have to start living out of a bag and you're thankful for being able to live in your aunt's basement. You know, that's what I went through. And there yeah. was a night, it was, there was a night and it was almost, I'd say about 15, 16 years ago, right around this time of the year where I was sitting outside where the world was crashing down around me and the snow was falling. And I was up on the mountain up here in Kelowna. I was by myself. I didn't have anybody in my life anymore. And the snow, like I said, it was, the silence was deafening. And I sat there with, in a pool of tears trying yeah. to figure out where I was going to start my life over again. And I'm not here to cry a sob story because I, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. But yeah. the reason why it was the best thing was, is because in that moment I made a decision and it was going to be one or the other. It was going to be either I was going to drink or party my life away and just throw it all away. Or I was going to frigging get back up and I was going to become a better version of myself than I'd ever been before. And it took time. It was like a it was steps and steps and steps up that mountain to get to where I wanted to be. 
But I truly feel that now I'm actually at that peak of that mountain. And it's really cool because I always thought to myself, I keep getting booted back down this mountain of life by some boot out there that keeps kicking me. But I yeah. couldn't realize the, the boot was me. Sure. I was the one that was doing self-sabotage. it self. Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage. Bang on. There it is. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. All right. Yeah. Now's the time and you get to ask me something. And since you don't know me other than the last 45 minutes. <laughs> what would you like to ask me? And I'm going to put myself on a timer because I am notorious for going over my, there's no specific time, but I, I will share way too much. So I'm going to put myself on a three minute timer here. I'm looking at the clock. So Corey, what can I answer for you and for everybody listening today? Okay. Well, first off, I'll say that, well, I'll let you know, one of my biggest fears that I ever had in my life long before I was in the male exotic dance industry, a nightmare that I had as a little kid was being exposed I had a very, very, very mm. horrible nightmare of exposure to public. If I was I'd be in the middle of my dreams, sometimes picturing myself nude walking down the street and everybody pointing and laughing. That's at so me. ironic. Yeah, it's true That's, too. Yeah, so I, my, I have to say, Corey, I just have to say this. This just hit me. Do you know why Batman is Batman? Good question. No. He is Batman. And this is from Batman Begins. And I think from the comic books, I don't read the comic books, but I've seen the Christopher Nolan movies. Batman is Batman because Bruce Wayne as a child fell into a well and there's all these bats and it was the thing he was the most afraid of. So ah, that's the thing he became. That's kind of like some Indiana Jones stuff with the snakes a little bit. There. Exactly. Yeah. It's the thing he comes. So I, so you actually, be, you actually conquered your fear by literally doing the thing that you doing had it. a nightmare about. Wow. That's that, right. That's crazy. So, all right. So, so what do you got for me? So my question for you is what was a fear that you had in childhood that actually that you carried that fear that, that not understanding the truth of the actual action or not real, mm. like having that, that fear. Is there something that you had as a kid that you carried into adulthood that, that held you back from doing certain things in your life? Oh God. Yes. This is, I feel like I'm getting into therapy. This is a, this is a great, <laughs> great question, Corey. You need to start a podcast. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's two things that come to mind. I'm just going to answer one today in the interest of time. Sure. Um, I was a very strong-willed child. Okay. People that know me, it will not be surprising. And <laughs> I always have um, been scared of losing my freedom and whatever that freedom means to me at the time. So as a mm. child, as a younger child, it's like I was not able to go to my friend's house or go to Disney World when I was supposed to, when I wanted to go. I always wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Always. And I'm still that way. And I'm deathly afraid of not having the ability to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's mm. still, so for me, my worst nightmare would probably be going to jail, like going mm. to a prison mm -hmm. for all sorts of reasons that I don't think we need to spell out. But one of them would be <laughs> that they're like, for 23 hours, you're sitting in this room. Right. Would be like, I would be the person who I don't know if I could actually handle it. So I think right. like it's such a good introspective question. I'm I'm just you know I'm just making this up processing. as we go along, but <laughs> I'm just processing because it's never nobody's ever asked me this. But yeah, I think it's like my loss of freedom. So if I look at my patterns of what I do, but also my self sabotage, it's usually bucking the trend or mm -hmm. I need to do it my way. I need to be creative. I need okay. So tell me the rules so I can figure out how to break them. So that sort of stuff. Okay, and that's always how it was for me in school and kind of. I was always in sales before I pivoted my career to doing what I'm doing now. So, you know, sales is fortunately a place where there is quite a bit of autonomy and flexibility to do the things as long as you get the results. Right. Um, but I would, I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to like, here's this process that you have to follow and here's the instruction. I'm like, ah, yeah, no. 
So, um, so yeah, Yeah. great question, Corey. Thank you. That's a, I, you know, I've done, I've said I've done 110 episodes. Nobody's ever asked me that specific question. Beautiful. Thank you, man. Uh, Can I actually shed some light on that as well? If you don't mind, please. I love it. Yeah. It's something that I've had that thing with freedom as well. And I've, and you'll notice when you read my book that I lived a free bird life of, uh, I guess you could say, um, freedom, unlike a lot of other people in this world. But, um, that was something that I actually had, a, I, I dealt with as well, as far as that, that I guess wanting to be free of not being a punch card person, not having to have somebody over my shoulder. I really wanted to fly, write my own ship. I guess you could say I wanted to yeah. you know, run my own show. I've always wanted to do that. Right. But the crazy thing is, is that I realized that for myself, no matter how much money that I had, no matter how, like I said, no matter how big my bank account has been, no matter whether I was in a relationship, I even two years ago went on the most amazing trip across the world. I was in the Philippines for a month. I was in Indonesia for another two weeks um, in a position where so many people in this world would love to be enjoying that type of an experience trip of a lifetime, for example. And even though I was on, on a beach on the most beautiful beach in the world, I'm walking along there and I still, had my freedom ruined. And the reason why it was ruined was because I could never, ever, ever, no matter what, I could never get that sense of lack out of my head. That feeling Mm -hmm. that I was never going to, it was, it was always that what if, what if this happens? What if this happens? And I still had that going on. Even when I should have been a hundred percent enjoying my vacation, I still dealt with that. And so for me, that was a prison in my own mind that now I've released myself from through this introspective process. So I'm just saying that sometimes yeah. Yeah. freedom can be a very wide range of things, not necessarily oh, yeah. just being stuck in that. Maybe it's in your own for mind. Sure. Oh, right? for sure. No, that, that, that totally resonates. So I said what freedom meant to me. It's kind of like the word success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are like, I want to be successful. I'm what it, so tell me I more mean, about what that means to you. For yeah. some people, they can have ultimate success by having a digital nomad lifestyle and making 50 grand mm-hmm. a year. And living in a van, that can be the that for them can be like, man, my life is amazing. For some people, yep. if they're making less than five million dollars, they're not successful. So that's, right. that's a whole that's that's our second episode. We got a whole conversation around <laughs> there that. There you go. Too. Yeah, anytime, my friend. Yeah. Anytime. All right, Corey. So I've got um, a, a couple more questions for you, and then we're gonna wrap it up with sure. um, some words of wisdom. So, Corey, yeah. um, what's the thing that you are most proud of? Oh wow. Most proud of. That's a really good question, Jason. You know, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. So when it comes to pride, I, I, it's, it's an interesting one because my father, as I said, who was a Superman to me, he, mm-hmm. he had a lot of pride in a lot of the things that he did. And I respected the man for, for that. But I'll say that, that outside of, look, I, you know, I've made, just like anybody, I've made more, in fact, I've probably made more mistakes than most people have in this lifetime. I'll be straight up. But I will say that my, my, my most proud accomplishment, and I've shed some light on this before, is that I was able to finally liberate myself. And what I mean by that is, is in, in, by living by my true authenticity, no matter mm-hmm. how much it hurt. <clears throat> And I lost friends over this. Okay. Like I lost people in my life over this because I lived by my truth. And when I actually started living by my truth and stopped trying to sell people on this BS reality, like this alter ego reality, when I started doing that, 
I started bringing in other people into my life that replaced those ones that of left. Course. And those yeah. other people were really amazing people, people that I really wanted to, I guess you could say not necessarily mirror, but I wanted to look at them and go that success that that person had, I may not want to be them, but I want that same sort of success. So I started surrounding myself with those people. And for me, I just being able to break that block, just being able to actually get into that, that side of myself that I was never really willing to look at, that I was really scared to look at because I didn't know, I didn't want other people to look at me in a different, in, in a bad way. I just really never wanted to hurt anyone or for that matter, be, be looked at in a, in a, in a, in, in a different way than I'd been all my life. But when I actually did start living by my true authentic self, it, it changed everything. It, it really sure. helped me to, to, I guess you could say, have an ability to help others out. Cause, cause without yeah. that, if I, if I just continued living that same selling life and I'm not, I don't have anything against sales, but I'm just saying that, that, that yeah, selling myself for something that I wasn't <laughs> selling myself for something that I wasn't was sure. inauthentic. Right. So yeah. my pride that I have now is being at that point of being truly authentic. And whether that be saying, for example, something that I wrote in my book was, there was a lot of times in my life that I brought people into my house. And what I mean by that is, is I didn't protect my house, literally my house. Like I'm talking about bringing other entities in that, that had a, had a negative effect on my relationship or my, my career or whatever it may be. Those people were bad apples of good intent. They never meant to hurt anybody. They really never meant to hurt anybody, but they were bad apples. And then actually as well, I realized that I was letting people into this house and the yep. house between my ears and those people as well were bad apples of good intent. And then having to actually really focus in deep and realize that guess what? I was actually a bad apple of good intent as well. A lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So that if I'm really proud of anything is, is mm-hmm. that I've been able to take this last year and a half and do something that most people don't have the ability to do. And that is, is take time off of life, take time off of yeah. relationships, take time off of career, take time off of everything and really just work on me. And by doing that, that's something that I will never lose. They'll no, nobody can ever take that away from me. You can take all my possessions away, but you can never take that away from me. So I'm proud of yeah. myself for actually doing that. That's, that's my awesome. Answer. Corey. Yeah. Th- congratulations on that, man. It- it's a good example of it's. It doesn't matter where you come from. When you have that realization, you oh, can man. make the change. You can make the change. All right, Corey. So yeah. we're going to wrap up here, and I want to talk a little bit more about the book again. Sure. Yeah. What day does the book come out? January the eighteenth is my Amazon launch. There's a twenty-four hour window that, um, and this is really cool. But within that twenty-four hour window, um, anybody that decides to get the book gets it at a discounted rate. And I chose to, um, I picked a charity to donate partial proceeds during that launch uh, that is focused on men's and women's mental health. It's called Third Space Charity here in Kelowna. It's a local organization. And what I really, really, what resonated with me about this particular charity is, is that they actually help people. Uh, young folks between the ages of, I believe, 19 and 29 to um, be trained to um, be actual coordinators to actually get in there and be, um, I guess you could say, consultants for people that deal with mental health. So oh, okay. that is something that that is kind of an underfunded thing to a certain degree. And I sure. felt that it makes an impact because like I said at the beginning, everybody, I don't care who you are. I really believe that everybody out there has a certain degree of mental health issues. And so when we can get that from a bottom up approach and start to educate people on how to 
help others in that department, that is my way of driving it from the bottom up and funding that. So nice. that makes me feel good inside to do something. So everybody head on out, grab the book. I think we're probably going to release this the week it comes out. So we're yeah. recording this here at the end of 2021. We'll have it yeah. out. Listen, go buy the book. And I have a lot of authors on. Don't only go to buy the book. If you buy it on Amazon, leave Corey a review. It makes a huge difference. Yes. If you like the book, um, getting reviews on Amazon makes a huge difference for how the book does. Obviously, you can tell Corey is a great dude. He's got a great story <laughs> to tell. And so, Corey, I want to thank you for being on, for sharing your truth with us, for talking oh, yeah. about um, you know, what you're up to and what you're going to be up to. I can't wait to have you back on again in uh, oh. six months or a year, and we'll talk about how the book is doing and all that, all that good stuff. And one thing I have to remind you where to go to be able to get it in the first place. Yes, of so course. the actual place is you, all you have to do is go to my website at takeitoff.ca or if you choose to, you can go to corylanehilton.com. It'll bring you to the exact same place. Beautiful. Sign up for the Amazon launch there and it'll get you um, Absolutely. The, those links will be in the show notes. So, you know, yeah. people don't have to write them down. They'll be there. All right, Corey, short and sweet because we are running out of time. Yeah. Leave us with some words of wisdom. These can be words of wisdom from you, words of wisdom mm -hmm. from your favorite Poet, philosopher, short and sweet. What do you got? Short for us? and sweet. I'm going to give you the one that I created myself in my book that means everything to me and it just hits home. Let the damn break before you damn break. And that really simply <laughs> That's means. That's so good. Yeah, it just simply means if you're going to bottle up all those emotions and keep them all inside, you know what? Eventually, eventually that bubble's going to burst. And when it bursts, it's not going to be pretty. So just let the damn break. Stop trying to be man enough. Try, stop trying to be Tom Cruise and Top Gun and not cry about things and just get it out. Let the damn break before you damn break. Ah, that's great, Corey. I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, best of luck with the book launch here next month. I look forward Thank to you. staying in touch, uh, watching your journey. And I'm sure we'll be connecting again soon. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.